Let's open God's Word and read together 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 21 to 25. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also, good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Let's pray as we prepare to study God's Word. Father, we ask you to minister to us through your Word this morning. We thank you for the pastoral letters and specifically 1 Timothy. Help us to hear each week as you've done before. Help us to hear what truth, reality, what instructions you have from your God-breathed Word. That we could be corrected and, and rebuked, trained in righteousness for the purposes you have for us. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Even your word is you accommodating, getting on your knee, bending down toward us so we can hear you, know you, and be loved and love you. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever dropped off a kid or a grandkid or you've been the one dropped off and there's some last-minute things you need to say? We, we take our kids a few times now to Camp Timberline, Wisconsin, and we're dropping them off maybe, maybe our, our, when they're a bit younger for the first time for a full week, and it's those last few minutes where you get to meet your cabin counselor, and you get to see where they're going to be sleeping and make sure they got their bag or their sleeping bag all set up, and they're excited and pulling away from you because they're going to go run and do something with some friends and their cabin, but you, you say a few last words. A couple of things you're going to say, like something I remember we said to one of our sons, we said, hey, remember, there's six pairs of underwear. The one you're wearing now is not intended to be worn all week like last year. Reminding them, hey, your canteen money, the counselor has it. Reminding them of this. Be careful. Whatever else you want to say. Kind of a hodgepodge, a collection of last words. Don't forget this. Remember that. It's exactly what you're hearing the Apostle Paul say to Timothy. He's been giving these general instructions to the church all through chapter 5. And he stops here and he speaks directly to Timothy and he exhorts him to be faithful, to communicate this and to make sure that this is happening. In the meantime, he speaks to Timothy in particular. He gives him some insights. Timothy has his own needs and challenges. You're listening to a mentor speak to his mentee, an apostle, speak to a local church pastor and give him some insight. And we get to listen to that. And it might be easy, as some have done with Paul's letters, to think that they don't involve us. And to be true, whatever stomach ailment, digestive issue, verse 23, suggests that Timothy is dealing with may not be ours. But there's a whole lot that we can learn about the nature of ministry or the work of a minister, or just the ministry of the local church. In fact, I think in this text there are three things, three important truths that Paul's exhortation to Timothy teaches us about local church ministry. 
The first is in verse 21, and I would summarize it this way. The church's ministry is sacred and of the utmost importance. Now, I say that because look at how verse 21 starts. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules or exhortations without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. That's loaded beginning to that verse. Paul's choice of words underscore the gravity of the church's ministry. It covers the whole spiritual realm. This isn't just a little small business in the midst of a big world with a lot of other businesses. He locates it as something that God and Christ and even the spiritual angelic realm is watching and observing. In case you look at a church and underestimate it, you just see a building. You see just a collection of mere humans. You see a microphone or a a pulpit or, or chairs and equipment. In case you just do that, those opening words of verse 21 will have you look again. God and all the heavenly host are observers of the work that we do. In fact, 1 Peter 1 verse 12 specifically says that this work of the gospel that is happening through Christ in the church is literally something that the angels are watching. Think of just a stadium of people watching what you do. It would elevate its significance. The gravity of what we do is serious. So by that very preface in the beginning of 21, when, when, when Paul exhorting and commanding Timothy to follow through on his commands, but he frames it that way. You're doing this in the presence of God and of Christ and the elect angels. It puts a weight on it, doesn't it? And then that charge at the end of verse 21 is this. Don't practice favoritism. Don't practice injustice. That's what he means by the words prejudging and partiality. He's reminding Timothy that he's not objective. He misses things. He's reminding Timothy, you're not the judge. You're not the one fully in charge. And both of those emphasize something about God's grace that the church needs to remember. We need to remember that God's grace is wide. It should cover all people. The moment we start to prejudge and show favoritism, we are are shrinking God's grace. God's grace is wide. It covers all people, even those that you wouldn't initially prefer or connect with or align with in other human things. God's grace is wide. But, but so also with that partiality, Paul's exhorting us to see that God's grace is deep. It's deep, not just, not just partial. It, it's deep. The church does not merely minister to its friends. It doesn't merely minister with those or to those with whom it politically aligns. The church does not merely minister to those with approved sins. In our day, it's so easy for us to kind of ignore or minimize uh, rampant materialism. But yet, if anybody wrestles in any way with their sexuality, we're quick to point our fingers. And the church does not merely minister to those who are easy to love in our in-group, those with whom we align in other things. No, the church knows 
that God's grace is wide and it's deep. And we know that, that the work of the church is a sacred ministry and of the utmost importance. Brothers and sisters, that, that should exhort you to think of the church differently. And, and I don't think that's just something just for Timothy. I think that's something for all of us. That's not just for pastor elders. That's not just for those for whom, if you were with us in our congregational meeting last Sunday, for, for those we voted in various boards and committees in our church or those regularly serving in ministry in active ways. This is for all of us to see whatever our Christian work is, institutionally through the church or even organically as missionaries and ambassadors of Christ's kingdom in the world, that we should see its sacred importance. It might just look like a building and some people, some equipment and some meetings, but in reality, the angels, God himself, are watching because the center of the universe's activity is found in the work of Christ established in his church. And if that doesn't make church significant in your personal Christian life, it doesn't make your giving and receiving to that significant, then you are literally missing what God himself thinks is most important. What Christ and the elect angels are looking and investing their time into. And yet for us to treat it haphazardly or loosely or to disengage, we don't even know what is most true in the world. The church is sacred. It's dealing with God's grace. And it's, it's wide and it's deep. And we must remember that in how we engage in the ministry of the church. Here's the second thing that I think verse 22 and 23 teaches us. The church's ministry must confront sin and yet not be contaminated by it. Paul says this to Timothy in 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. What he means by that is commissioning new leaders for ministry. Laying on the hands was a formal ceremony that would be used for ordination, for raising up a new pastor elder, which is almost specifically and certainly what's in view here. Paul is thinking of raising up new pastors and elders. Timothy needs more laborers for the harvest. And it would be tempting to just bring somebody on to seemingly alleviate his work. But don't be too quick, Paul says. Remember that last moment, like that, the last few minutes at Timberley, you're just throwing this hodgepodge of things out to one of your kids. Hey, hey, don't forget your underwear's there. Hey, hey, canteen money, council has it. Hey, take a shower once during the week. Here's Paul. Hey, listen, listen. The church is sacred. Like what we're doing here, God is watching. Like, be careful. You, it's going to be tempting for you to align with people that you already agree with politically because you watch the same news channels or you, you okay the same sins and you want to point out the others. God's grace is wide and deep. And, and, and here's another thing. Don't bring in leaders too quickly. Be careful. There's a temptation to populate leadership with yes men or to, to, to get pressured from others to appoint their friends. This is not the impartiality that verse 21 is commanding. And then Paul goes on to not only talk about leadership, but he talks about sins. He says, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Ultimately, Paul's concerned with the integrity of Pastor Timothy's leadership. Choose fellow leaders and ministers wisely. Guard your heart as a minister. Well, this is, this is true for pastor elders, but to be honest with you, this is, this is true for all of us as we serve in every little corner of this church, 
guarding and protecting the sacred ministry that we have. There's another truth here that I think all workers for Christ, pastor, elders, or, or not, can hear. Paul is exhorting Timothy to guard his own heart. And maybe it could be something like this. It might be that your own life before God is the most important one you need to shepherd. Somebody who is a minister, as, as a pastor or at a lay level, needs to know that they have a ministerial duty to guard their own heart, to not take part in the sins of others, to keep themselves pure. A shepherd who is an unfaithful sheep can injure an entire flock. Brothers and sisters, I would ask that you pray for your leaders. You pray, as we talked about last week, you pray for your pastors and your elders. In verse 23, under this kind of confronting sin and yet not being contaminated by it, Paul adds something that is kind of an aside, an, an excursus even. And you'll notice that ESV takes it this way because it puts it in parentheses. It says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. This is an interesting statement. It tells us a couple things, but, but, but let me give you some context. The use of alcohol is an interesting topic to wrestle with, and churches must. Some have used this verse as a proof text for social drinking, as if Paul's just actually encouraging the use of wine, though clearly here the context is medicinal. Let me explain. There were probably some in the church who tried to avoid wine thinking it was a spiritual act. Maybe this purity thing and, and not being in part of the sins of others is part of the connection to the alcohol. That some had spiritualized lack of use of alcohol as a holy spiritual thing, and he's trying to correct them. And that. In fact, he's trying to exhort them. Maybe he knew a situation that we're not privy to, but that's exactly what Timothy feels pressure to do by some of the spiritually mature in his church. And, and Paul's like, listen, that, that, that's not accurate. Don't be afraid to drink some wine. In fact, Paul even says, for the sake of your stomach and your ailments, digestive issues likely. Because in the ancient world, small amounts of wine was standard medical practice for digestive issues. We have evidence of this in numerous places, not just in Scripture but even elsewhere. So that fits well what Paul's thinking was. Just as we today, most of us have some knowledge of certain foods or things to eat or even kind of traditions and, and wives' tales that just get passed on and maybe adjusted in due course about what foods to eat or not eat that we would be suggesting to people just out of care and concern. This was a common one in Paul's day in the first century. When we think about alcohol, though, we can at least wrestle just for a moment with this difficult challenge in our day. The Bible is clear on two things regarding alcohol. Number one, excessive drinking, or specifically drunkenness, is prohibited. That is clear. A second is that there is wisdom and appropriateness to avoiding alcohol when it is a detriment to others. When somebody would be affected by it, a love of, of one another or a love of neighbor would cause us to refrain. Those are the two kind of perimeter fences that God puts around the use of alcohol. Clearly, he's not prohibiting it completely, as this text says. 
even if we understand some medicinal value to alcohol for digestive issues, God's Word, God beyond time, knows well their context and ours. He is the scientist of the universe, is comfortable prescribing alcohol at times for a proper use. The Christian just needs to know that balance. But by, by using the, the, the left and right leg of not drunkenness and guarding and caring for others appropriately, I think the Christian is given good wisdom for a proper use of alcohol. It's no longer just about what can I get away with. It becomes an issue of seeing alcohol itself as one of God's common grace gifts that, like anything, cheesecake, money, cars, boats, time, pleasure, all of those common grace gifts can be abused. Alcohol is no different. Yet we know that it has and can, in this church and others, ruined lives. So number one, we commit ourselves to using it as God designed it and not leading to drunkenness. And if that's a problem, then it should be dealt with specifically. And the second, that we do so in a way that shows love of neighbor and one another so that it isn't a hindrance to those. Because we are willing to go without for the love of someone else. By connecting it to purity, Paul is teaching us not only of the benefit of alcohol, but potentially of the dangers. And Paul's concern for Timothy extends to his physical health. We're getting a glimpse again of that unique relationship between a mentor and a mentee. Now, what have we seen so far? Verse 21, the church's ministry is sacred. 22 and 23, the church's ministry must confront sin and yet not be contaminated by it. Last, verses 24 and 25, the church's ministry requires discernment and hope when dealing with a variety of souls. In this hodgepodge kind of closing statement regarding exhortations to the congregation, Paul says this, he speaks into the ministry dynamics of ministering to a variety of different people with a lot of different issues, with a lot of different trajectories or different stages of spiritual life. And he talks about how some sins of people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the, some, the sins of others appear later. That is, they trail behind a person. You can't see it yet, but it's there. So also with good works. Good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. What is Paul saying in those verses? He's saying this, when you minister to people, work hard to shepherd them. Like, work hard. Get to know them. Enter into a relationship. Remember, remember God's grace is wide and deep. Know full well that things you might not yet see might be in there, and things that you do see can be dealt with. There's even this sense of judgment before them and that kind of language that suggests that God is the ultimate final judge. Like for us to, as a church to think that the sacredness of our ministry is simply that we're doing it all would be the mistake. The reality is the main shepherd of the church is Jesus. The main and primary judge is God himself. The work of ministry is done by the Spirit the Father and the Son and the Spirit are the main workers of this church, and they've assigned a few sheep to be under shepherds simultaneously. And we need to know that. 
But don't be discouraged. Look at the fruit in the lives of the people in your congregation. See they're good. And when it is not yet present, don't get cynical. Don't get critical. Be patient. Be trusting. And be hopeful in the God of the harvest. Paul's describing the fact that ministry is messy. It's difficult to calculate. It's full of human error. And yet, ultimately, it's perfected by God. Brothers and sisters, this is true in the church. It is hard, but we're trying to encourage one another to follow Christ more committedly, to engage with Him fully, to give rightly of our time and our talent and our treasures, to not just be receiving, but also giving. And we do that in formal institutional ways on Sunday mornings, but then also the organic nature of our relationships and small groups and other activities throughout the church. It's hard to see, yet we're knowing that God has called us to do this and we're following his prescriptions for ministry. And even still then, it's messy, it's difficult to calculate. At times you get discouraged, feel hopeless, make mistakes in judgment or guidelines, and knowing yet in the midst of all that God works. The same could be said for any of us individually with our families. I can imagine some Parents with their children worrying and seeing, God, are you working in their life? Am I making the right decision? Am I seeing clearly what I'm supposed to see? Am I being too firm? Am I being too soft? Lord, help me. And he does. He does that in our biological families, our natural families, and he does that in the church, our spiritual family. Paul wanted Timothy to hear that. There's, there's that hodgepodge. As he's nearing the end of his first letter, what's called First Timothy, he's, he throws these things out there. Don't, don't you forget, the church's ministry is sacred and of the utmost importance. God and the angels are judging and observing what we do. He's saying, hey, church, don't you forget, specifically leaders, don't you forget that you must deal with sin, yet don't be contaminated by it. You are not perfect. You are not impartial do not forget the, the, the wide and deep grace of God. And lastly, church is, is messy. It's hard to see. Ministry isn't always clear. You need to use discernment. Get to know people. Be open to adjusting. Take time. Be patient. It's going to be messy. But have hope. Don't lose hope. Because you know who the true guardian and care and harvester of our souls is is Jesus Christ. See, by including us in a pastoral conversation that you would think was just a letter written to somebody else, but by including us in this, God in his providence wants to give us insight into the divine mystery of church ministry. He's letting us get a glimpse of that. Brothers and sisters, this is the, the last time we'll have a recording of church available on Sunday mornings. We will always record the sermons and have resources available, etc. By, by Monday. The sermon will be available by Monday. But the, the reason we do that is because we know that the gathering of the church is of the utmost importance. And I just want to encourage you, even as we close and as we reflect on that text, that you see the significance of that and come back and gather with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not, I'm not referring by saying that to all the normal reasons we miss, whether it's legitimate 
COVID concerns or other health issues or business travel, that happens. I get that. We all face that. I'm talking about those who have yet to return. I'm asking you to see the sacredness of the gathered church, the importance of the biblical ministry of the local church, and to come with us next week. If you've been waiting to these end, then first Sunday in June, come back and join us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which ministers to us week after week. Father, I thank you that your spirit, even as, 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 as one sheep tries to communicate the truth of your word, that your spirit ministers through your word to all of us so that we can be formed and shaped as disciples. Father, bring back those who have been distant. Thank you for those that are gathering regularly with this church. Thank you for this local church, the sacred ministry, even if it's messy at times and wrestling with dealing with sin and encouraging and using and understanding the, the wide and deep grace of God. Thank you for Hope Evangelical Free Church and the brothers and sisters who are part of this body. Thank you that you, God, and the angels literally are watching in affirmation and participation with the work that we do, ultimately the work that you do. So continue to work in us, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.